0: So, Jeff, you decided to move to Kelowna around 2003. Mm-hmm. Tell us uh, the story. How did you end up here?
1: Yeah, well, we, my wife and I uh, both grew up in the lower mainland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and prior to lo- moving to Kelowna, we were living in uh, White Rock uh, for seven years. And we were both commuting downtown Vancouver every day. Mm-hmm. And what started as being not a bad commute in kind of the mid-90s uh, turned out to be a pretty horrendous commute right by the time 2003 rolled around yeah um and our kids were kind of at the stage or at the age where um you know move would still be uh, palatable for them they were pretty young right and uh so we started looking around at uh, you know where we wanted to uh, live the next stage of our life and raise our kids and mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of summered up in the Okanagan, both of us, uh, as kids, but never really considered it as a place to move and, and build yeah. a career. And uh, through that process of investigation, I got recruited up to work for a tech company named Badum Software. Nice. Uh, and uh, got connected with some really great people uh, in that business, and yeah, yeah. Re- relocated April or March
0: two thousand and three. Wow. So were you always in software business?
1: Yeah, um, I thank my wife for that move actually because uh, we met and I was working for Nabisco as a as a truck driver and warehouse guy mm-hmm. and uh, always wanted to kind of be an architect, believe it or not. Right, and uh, you know, part of um, you know that process was learning AutoCAD and and I went back to BCIT she convinced me to go back to school and uh, I got introduced to computers and computer engineering and uh, computer-aided design and manufacturing and uh, I never did become an architect but I got Hmm. pretty well versed in 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 software technology and, and computer technology and uh Got a job at a, at a pulp mill inspection company. And back in the 90s when you were graduating from BCIT as a computer guy, mm. um, you did everything. So I got like thrown into the fire to be the printer guy, network guy, PC guy, software guy, computer right. support person. So kind of
0: dove in with, you know, head first. Interesting. So you um, kind of fell in love with computers yeah, uh, based on learning AutoCAD. Yeah. So that's right. did you go to architecture school or did you just start poking around with AutoCAD?
1: No. Uh, you know, part of the, uh, CAD program at BCIT, mm. um, introduced you to a lot of different concepts. So, right. um, as well as, you know, hand drafting and, and architecture and mm-hmm. CAD, there was also computer programming courses at, and, and business courses as well looped into that program. So, um, I got introduced to some robotics programming, which really excited me quite a bit, mm. and uh, just software programming. And uh, so I kind of veered away. I, I did a little bit of research into like graduating as a young architect and making a living at it. It was pretty pretty sparse. Right. And uh, on the flip side, looked at you know what a good career in tech looked like in uh, yeah. in general, and it was quite a bit more uh, quite a bit more proposing. So looked right. Good.
0: So computers, there's some similarities to architecture right i mean you have to design a system and think of how everything connects to everything else yeah
1: yeah yeah there's a lot of similarities it's very uh linear thinking Mm -hmm. right and uh, very systems driven which you know still both appeal to me quite a bit even in business when i talk to a lot of young entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um about starting a a business and uh we look at putting the right building blocks and steps in uh, in place to help them Not necessarily, uh, you know, guarantee success, but increase their odds of success. Right. Yeah, for sure.
0: You have to think of how everything connects to everything else, Mm -hmm. otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah, and
1: and especially in in business as a young person starting out, um, you know, that self-awareness of what you're good at and what you're not good at, and, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people that kind of complement your skill set is super important, but it's the same in any business, whether you know, if you talk to any computer programmer, um, uh, you know, they've got great um, kind of code review systems in place and buddy systems in place. And, you know, they realize that they're they're much better as a team than they are mm-hmm. as individuals. And um, so it's the same in, you know, building design and architecture. Right. You're good at one discipline. And, right. um, you know, same in, in building a business. You know, you're typically good, really good at one discipline. And, um, hopefully, you can you know build a team around you to are great at the other aspects of it
0: for sure. So, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, you, you were in trucking, and yeah. your wife encouraged you to go to BCIT, yeah, uh, to learn some computer skills. Yeah what uh, what was it within you that that made her? Uh, um, well,
1: concrete? it was interesting because um, you know I was I was working at Nabisco and uh, i had been there probably for. Uh, well, interesting is that when it was a union it was a union job, mm-hmm. right? So um, when I first got the job after my three month probation period, uh, I went showed up at work that day and and I realized that guys that had been there 30 years. Um, I was now making the equivalent income as them wow. because I was in the union and I was making the union wage. Wow. And I thought to myself, "Is this really what I want for myself? Do I want to be the 30-year guy and the the you know the young punk comes in right. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's you know at the same salary earning potential than me?" And I, I I looked at it as a I mean it was great it was great for me because it it helped pave the way for a lot of things I did and. In, in my school and uh, in my career. But I realized it just wasn't a long-term um, thing for me. I was a little bit more um, entrepreneurial-driven um, mm-hmm. than kind of that uh, union
0: union focus. So Right. Yeah. So you got hired by a Kelowna company. Yep. And uh, your wife agreed to relocate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, your kids went to school. Mm-hmm. And since then, I mean, you... Been an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. at least at heart, mm-hmm. for most of your life. So, mm-hmm. what uh, changed? What made you decide to go out on your own and leave that company?
1: Yeah, um, another interesting story. You know, you always think the grass is greener, and you know, I'd been in, um, you know, back in Vancouver, I was with three different startups, um, and been through the process of raising money, and in one case, uh, joining a public company, a director of a public company. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, the startup uh, stage of business is just so different than, you know, working for a mature company. And as much as I loved it, um, you know, I was kind of looking for a little bit more stability at Mm -hmm. that phase in our life with our kids, uh, you know, going to school. And um, Vadim Software at the time looked very appealing to me. They'd been around 30 years or maybe 25 years at that time. Um, and uh, pretty well funded, and, and and a big team. So for me, that was that was pretty appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so moved up here in March two thousand um, and three. Uh, and within two years, um, they had fired the president that had worked for the company and hired somebody from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And he came in and basically removed every all the middle management from the company and senior executives. Four of us from the company, so I ended up moving here for this great opportunity and found myself uh, looking for a job um, in 2005. And I had, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to go back to Vancouver and join the company that I left. They left the door open for me, which was uh, which was very nice. Um, So we had kind of that security uh, Mm -hmm. in our back pocket. Um, But at the same time, our you know after a couple years here, our kids were getting settled in and we were getting settled in and. Um, my wife and I had the discussion about, you know, possibly moving back to Vancouver or, uh, staying in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, you know, careers in the tech industry were pretty limited. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a big, uh, tech ecosystem here. There was a handful of companies, um, maybe four or five that had more than 40 employees. And, you know, I probably couldn't count 10 or 20 technology companies at the time, um, so we decided uh, we decided to stay, but agreed that if we were going to stay, I'd have to do something different. So um, I met somebody that had a construction business, mm-hmm. and uh, you know agreed to work for him for nothing uh, to help him grow his business, and um, you know agreed to a percentage of any upside to the business that I was able to generate for him. Uh, How did it work out? It Was fantastic. We had a great <laughs> uh, we had a great uh, four years, four or five years there. And his company grew from, you know, four employees to pretty close to 25 over that time. And mm-hmm. uh, a company that was doing kind of residential um, construction to uh, multi-family unit construction and, and yeah. a lot bigger projects. And that was the part that I was able to help him with. Just, you know, brought my technology skills and uh, account management, program management and skills to that company. And um, had a great five years, probably the best five years Um from a couple different perspectives one uh, we were able to stay in Kelowna um, that opportunity allowed me to spend a lot of time with my kids and um, got involved in coaching and all those things and mm-hmm. was able to pick him up from school and drop him off at school and um, he awesome. saw you know, so was yeah it was fantastic
0: so what year what time frame is this
1: that was 2005 to 2009 right yeah
0: so the We had a bit of a real estate crash here, 2008, 2009. How did that affect the Things started to
1: trail off uh, right in that time period. Uh, But his company was a little bit diversified at that time, and uh, they weathered it pretty well, although they did did downsize a little bit uh, during that period. And because there was no formal, you know, employment agreement or, you know, contract with him or anything, we disagreed that, you know, um, he would call me when he needed me. And um, if he didn't, I was free to go do, you know, whatever I wanted. (laughs) And uh, being the entrepreneur that I was and I, you know, I always wanted to um, get back involved in the tech industry and tech community. And, uh, you know, I was always, always loved that business. Um, But I wasn't sure I wanted to start a company. Uh, yeah. I'd been down that road before, and uh, although it was uh, quite enjoyable, learned a lot, um, I thought I could give back a lot to the community, probably more than by starting a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met uh, a guy named Mark Payne uh, at the time, who um, and Peter Halbrick. Peter Halbrick was with an organization called Okanagan Research and Innovation Center, and um, Mark was with uh, Okanagan Science and Technology, Technology Council, I believe, where they are both kind of, you know, kind of similar businesses, mm-hmm. uh, both funded by the government. And um, back in 2010, they both applied for government funding, and and the government said they'd be happy to do that, but they wanted those organizations to merge together. Mm-hmm. So Mark was responsible for kind of coordinating that merger of the mm-hmm. two businesses, which eventually came Accelerate Okanagan. And I met Mark um, during that time and he, uh, he asked for uh, some help and brought me on board And um, because in order to continue to get the funding, the government wanted to see return for, you know, for their contribution to the business. And uh, so we had to create some formal programs to, that would show impact. Yeah. So, you know, how many jobs are you creating? How much money are you raising? How many businesses are you supporting? Um, Are you having an impact in the community and those sorts of things? So uh, we put that program together in the fall of
0: 2010. Right. Yeah. So I want to ask you about Accelerate Okanagan. But first, um, tell us about the the tension between wanting to be an entrepreneur and wanting stability. I mean, I've heard this story many times where... It's kind of ironic you, you, you join a company because uh, you feel it'll offer stability mm-hmm. and then they, someone tells you one day you're redundant, we're going right. to lay you off and so yeah. it's like the opposite of what you, you would hope for Yeah, and a lot of times uh, carving our own path can yeah. can actually give us stability because we've got the ability to produce results and mm-hmm. uh, be valuable anywhere. Right. So, tell us about maybe a little bit about what you were going through mentally, like this this kind of tension between: do I want to be in yeah. corporate for stability or be an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, um, it was actually a, a a lot tougher decision than uh, than I thought. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think companies, you know, even if they've been around a long time and have a fairly um, you know, are process-driven and have a fairly corporate structure, they can still be entrepreneurial in the way that, um, you know, they deal with their employees and the freedom and decision-making and influence that the employees can have in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's what I was hoping to find there, which uh, for the most part was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were, we were acquiring companies um, when I joined VATM, and uh, one of the companies that we acquired was in Michigan, And, uh, you know, I put up my hand to say, hey, I'd I'd love to do the customer, you know, retention, uh, build a customer retention strategy for retaining those customers that we bought. They were on old software and Mm -hmm. we wanted to transition them to our software. And so someone had to lead that and, you know, travel to Michigan and meet all the customers and um, kind of grow that. Um, you know stabilize the business because it's always a transition when the company gets acquired mm-hmm. um, uh, give the customers peace of mind that you know we're there to support them and then hopefully start to transition them to our software so um, I found that uh, a little bit of entrepreneurship in that business and mm-hmm. you know unfortunately it didn't last very long and you know when I was uh, when I was let go um, I did have a really tough decision about what I wanted to do Um, but the entrepreneurial side of me was just like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go through that again. One thing about entrepreneurship is that good or bad, you're in control pretty much of your destiny. Um, you know, you don't always make the right decisions, but they're your decisions. Right. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're an employee, um, and, uh. You know, you, you might have some influence in the company or not, but the final decisions aren't yours. Right. Um, and especially tr- strategic decisions and, and things like that, or even, you know, your career decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just kind of went back into that entrepreneurial world and where I was more comfortable. Right. And, and throughout my career, you know, it's been, you know, four, maybe five years max at a company. Yeah. Uh, and I've moved on for whatever reason. Sometimes they're my own companies. Sometimes there are other businesses, but I find myself more of a of a builder. Mm-hmm. Um, been involved in operations a lot too along the way, but I find the most rewarding experience to be starting and growing something.
0: Right. Yeah. So tell us about Accelerate Okanagan. Mm-hmm. What is the basic concept behind it? Yeah. What did you do there uh, in your role starting yeah. in 2010? I, yeah, I was saying.
1: I was on. Uh, I started there in the fall of 2010. And as I mentioned, it was oztech um, which was Okanagan Science and Technology Council. And they were a membership-driven organization that had, you know, networking events and mm-hmm. a little bit of educational content. Um, and then there was Okanagan Research and Innovation Center, which was based down at White Lake in South Okanagan. Okay. And uh, Peter Halbrook ran, ran that. And they were... You know, he had office space, but no real programming there. So if you were, you know, building a company and technology related, he would give you a desk in his space and maybe a little bit of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those, those organizations uh, merged in the fall of 2010. Accelerate Okanagan was born uh, January 1st, 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a new mandate, which was really to help start and grow companies uh, in the Okanagan, uh, technology-based um, innovate, innovative companies. Uh, but we wanted to have a lot more, you know, if you look at some of the more famous accelerators, uh, like Techstars or Y Combinator, um, they have this, you know, kind of 13 week model where you're totally immersed in, in a program that's mentorship driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with that company basically pitching to the venture capital market for, for investment. Right. And because we're a government funded organization, and, but those, those other organizations take equity in those companies to, to walk, work them through their program. But as a government funded organization, we weren't taking equity in companies, Mm. Uh, but we did create a program structure um, that helped entrepreneurs figure out the early stages of their business, Mm -hmm. uh, early process, um, you know, what to focus on uh, in order to try to maximize their opportunity for success. Um, And that involved, uh, you know, this mentorship based uh, program. So uh, my my uh, responsibility was to put that program together Mm and which we did in fall of 2010 early 2011 right um and there's a there's a interesting uh, kind of side note is that there's this pro uh uh, competition i guess you'd call it new ventures bc uh, which is based in vancouver and it's kind of it kind of attracts the top startups from around the province and they go and and participate in this competition and and the winning teams get prize money and and uh I got a phone call uh, from um, my counterpart in Victoria and he said, Hey, you, you, these companies from Kelowna are doing really well in this like competition. You know, what, what, how are you guys working with these businesses and what are you, you know, what are you teaching them and what kind of process are you putting them through? And um, I basically packaged up everything that we had done. They were a government funded organization just like we were. Right. Uh, so I just packaged up everything that we'd done and sent it to him. And I said, here you go. You know, here's the early playbook of, of, of what we're doing here. And, um that word of that got back into the province and the province said, Hey, like, uh what are you doing? Why did you send all that information to Victoria? And I said, Well, you know, we're both government funded organizations. Um, you could pay them to try to duplicate everything that you could give them more funding to try and duplicate everything that we've done, or I could just share it with them and you could save all your money. Right. And they said, Oh, that's a pretty novel concept. Uh um, they said, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we should become the administrative arm for your program or for the program, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty early stages, by the way. In all You know, in all fairness, it was a really rudimentary program. There wasn't a lot to it. Uh, but the government kind of uh, saw this as an opportunity to offer this program throughout the province mm-hmm. and uh, working with Victoria and the Okanagan and BCIC at the time, we matured the program and evolved it quite a bit. And it's now... Available through, I
0: think, 18 delivery partners around the province of BC. Wow. So Accelerate Okanagan is one of those One 18. of those, yeah. Wow. That's right. So were, were you ever tempted, um, when you help startups, you put together you know, a business plan and to maybe give them advice on how to secure funding mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there were business plans that you saw that you helped work on that you wanted to. Take a piece of yeah yeah. So yeah. how did you how did you deal with
1: that? Yeah. You weren't allowed to, right? That's no, right. I mean, uh, not as CEO at the time. No, I was definitely not allowed <laughs> to do that. Um, but you know, it, it, we did have uh, we had two different levels of mentorship happening at Accelerate Okanagan at the time. We had volunteer mentors okay. uh, through the BCIC Mentor Program, and we also had paid um, executives and residents or entrepreneurs in residence and residents and. Uh, the difference between those two kind of levels of mentorship was the depth of engagement, right? So the mentors would be kind of ad hoc meetings. And it'd be really if one, one of the mentors had expertise in, you know, SaaS, a business model or something, they would go and have a coffee with an entrepreneur building a company in that space and kind of answer questions. And the paid EIRs would actually work with these businesses up to, you know, 10, 15 hours a week. Mm-hmm so quite a, quite a different level. Um, and what the rules were that, you know, as an EIR or a mentor, you know, you couldn't ask to invest and you couldn't ask for a job and, you know, you had to be more, you know, kind of have a give first mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, but if the entrepreneur asked you to say, Hey, you know, we had a great working relationship here. I really enjoy working with you. Would you ever consider joining my business or would you ever consider, you know, investing in my company? um that's that was totally fine okay. and, and then that did happen a few times along the way and uh the mentor or the eir just had to come back to the program and say hey i've been approached to join this business i'm gonna join um so i'm now you know they weren't allowed to be their mentor or eir anymore because you know that would, right. that'd be a conflict but um that did happen along the way too, and to and in some cases to some great success
0: so i don't mean to be facetious but i mean couldn't you just say to someone "Hey"? don't tell anybody I said this, but I'd like you to approach me. (laughs) That happened too. (laughs) And We actually
1: had to, uh, you know, word of that got back into the program. We actually had to ask a couple people to leave the program. Because dropping hints or just coming right out and saying, Hey, like I'd love to invest in your business or, you know, I'd like to help you, but I want to get paid to help you. Right. And, uh, you know, so um, those people self select out pretty quick. Actually, Uh, we have a, pretty strong commitment to giving first in the tech community here which is really apparent now and you know mm-hmm. really uh, prevalent without within the tech community and that all started kind of you know back in the early you know 2010 2011 days of Trying to pave the way, but you know it's interesting. In every community, there's always people that are really looking out for number one, right? Right. And <laughs> and we we need those people, but uh, we need to they need to engage at the right time at the right appropriate. For time sure, to, for sure. So there's yeah.
0: nothing wrong with like investing in something you believe. No, in. No, it's Just the the way this is formatted. Yeah. is you're giving first. We're like giving first. Trying to absolutely take a piece of something. Absolutely,
1: and you know it's so important because you know um, entrepreneurs are very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And uh, especially young entrepreneurs that haven't started or, you, you know, worked in a startup before. Right. Uh, so they're, you know, they can be influenced pretty easily. And, um, you know, we just don't, we don't like to see people get taken advantage of. Right. Um, you know, if you want to be a volunteer and, and, you know, donate your time and spend time with young entrepreneurs, that's fantastic. Um, but there's all kinds of different situations we ran into in those four or five year period where you know people were saying they were, they were the only way to get funding in the Okanagan was to pay them to help them and they were the only way to get into a certain events where they had to pay someone to get you a ticket and it, it just wasn't true Right. Um, but the people put themselves in that position and uh, you know uh, entrepreneurs you know got involved with those people and it was uh, you know not a great situation but they as I said they, they self-select out and I think what you've got now with Accelerate Okanagan and other uh, groups in the community is a, just a really strong knit um, startup tech ecosystem. Right. Um, that has a very strong give first ethos, so we're 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 pretty proud of that.
0: Right. So, is it typically uh, at the concept stage? Like, someone comes to you and says, "Look, I've got this piece of software, and I think it can probably do this." Like, mm-hmm. what stage are most of these entrepreneurs at when they get yeah. involved with? Accelerate
1: Okra. Yeah. It's interesting because they're actually at all different stages. um, But at first we weren't dealing with anything other than uh, kind of proof of concept Mm -hmm. stage companies. People that had a working prototype and really didn't know what to do next or had a business idea. Um, But the Venture Acceleration Program, which is the program that's now uh, available across the province, um, it was really focused on someone that had an idea, probably a working prototype, um, was working on it full time, Um, you know, either out of their basement or, you know, in a shared office space somewhere and just had no experience on how to commercialize what, what they were building. Right. Um, but as those companies, you know, um, there's a few companies in town that had tremendous success through that program and are are now, you know, at the kind of 70 employee level, which is uh, pretty, pretty encouraging. And so when you have companies get that kind of success, it obviously draws more attention to the organization and some pretty high growth companies were knocking at the door, um, which we weren't really prepared to uh, support at that time uh, or ready to support at that time. But there are now uh, different programs that um, long since I've been gone from the organization that Mm -hmm. were created and are helping those high growth companies. And they've also kind of shifted a little bit to the super early stage where uh, they've got a startup basics program. Uh, where it's somebody that's with an idea, and they really don't know what to do with that idea. They've thought about entrepreneurship. They've started about, a, you know, thought about starting a company. They got this idea that's been, you know, noodling in their brain forever. They can't get to sleep at night, so, you know, they show up at Excited Okanagan and, um, you know, get the basics of what starting a business looks like and how to actually tell if it's worth spending the next five years of your life, you right. know, kind of doing. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, tell us a little bit about the um, process of working with government. Yeah. Was it very bureaucratic? It was a lot of waiting? Like you submit something and you're waiting weeks and weeks for mm-hmm. someone to pick it up off their desk? Like what was that like yeah. dealing with the government?
1: Yeah. Um it's first of all it never moves as fast as you want. As I mean, uh, that's one thing about entrepreneurs. Uh they want things to move fast. Right or wrong, they just want to move and right. uh, they want to move fast because they want to learn quickly. Make decisions and move fast again. And if it's right or wrong, at least they've done made a decision to move forward. And um, that's a lot of what's involved in an early stage startup company. Government is the exact opposite. Um, Everybody's afraid to be a little bit innovative or a little bit afraid to take a risk or make the wrong decision. Um, So, uh, one thing I learned about working with government is just you have to have um, you have to build a structure that they can believe in and that will um, return results to them. Right. So because anybody in government would tell you at the end of the day, they want to stand up and say, you know, we were really good stewards of this taxpayer money. Right. Uh, we invested in Accelerate Okanagan or other organizations in town. Uh, Women's Enterprise Center, for example, is a federally funded organization. Um, but here's all the good we did with that, with that money. Right. Right. So uh, working with government is painfully slow. Um, but for a not-for-profit organization that um, had a mandate to do what we were doing in, in the Okanagan, it was a um, necessary, absolutely necessary. Right. Um, and, you know, our relationship with both the province um, and the federal government is, at the time, and still is super strong, um, because we, um, we were and still are super committed to mm-hmm. delivering on that mandate, have shown tremendous impact in the community. And in a lot of cases, you know, the federal government will say, you know what, our project with Excalibur Okanagan was was a flagship project for us and one that they'll go and share with other communities of what a good project should look like. So we've had the good fortune of being on the positive end of that relationship. Um, you know, there's other organizations around that, you know, struggle with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful, you know, what you wish for, right? Like yeah. everyone says, well, if I just had some money, I could do this. Or if I just had government funding, I could do that. But you got to deliver. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and that's, that gets a little bit overlooked sometimes. So, right. Yeah. But working with government is challenging. But we did take, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this about the Innovation Center and Wheelhouse and other things. But, yeah. you know, um, we were able to leverage those uh, government relationships, um, and, you know, really um, in a positive way to get behind what version 2.0 of the, you know, startup ecosystem look like here. So, yeah. um, you know, startup, you know, version one was, hey, let's merge these organizations together. Let's create an organization that helps startups and entrepreneurs start and grow companies. Let's demonstrate that we can actually do that. Yeah. Um, let's create a hub, you know, of entrepreneurship, uh, a supporting ecosystem that, you know, we... Uh, the goal for us was we wanted to be on people's radar. If you're going to start a company, Kelowna should be a place that's on your list of places to go, and here's all the reasons why. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, you got involved with the Innovation Center yeah. project, yeah, and um, Kelowna has really changed since yeah. you came here in 2003. Yeah. Now it's a real uh, tech hub. Yeah. And if someone is in Vancouver and sick of the commute and they've got a yeah. tech idea, <laughs> yeah. they might want to look into coming here, right? Yeah. So tell us about the Innovation Center. Yeah. How did that concept come about? Yeah. And tell us about your involvement.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so just a little side note before I do that is that, you know, I, I can imagine whether, regardless of where you're from, if you're not from Kelowna or you're not from Calgary you're not from Vancouver you're not from some place that you considering moving to mm-hmm. um there's lots of trepidation right what am yeah. I going to do what am I going to get there what's the community really like what's my spouse going to do what happens if it doesn't work out what am I going to do next and you know we went through all those emotions as well yeah and is this the right time to move our kids and you know all that stuff yeah um but I can you know honestly say looking back is the best move that we've ever made and uh, you do kind of have to bite the bullet yeah um and in 20, 2003, um, you know, the risk was exponentially higher that, and it turned out to be true like my case where two years later it didn't work out, but right. we ended up, you know, making it work out and we stayed. Um, but there's so much business in the tech community here that if you're considering moving from another location and you work in the tech industry... Mm-hmm pretty much there's lots of unfilled jobs here first of all right um but if the job that you move here for doesn't work out there's lots of there's lots of support here for other uh, employment opportunities that necessarily wasn't here in the past
0: yeah. just uh, on that note what how does one look for jobs in the tech sector yeah. in coloma yeah
1: uh is uh, is there a website or... yeah so com has a great job board okay. um there's, uh, I don't know, there's probably at least 200 unfilled jobs on there, and that's probably only scratching the surface of what's actually um, uh, available here. So there's, yeah, uh, we can talk a little bit more about the economic impact study that came out recently too, but there's a ton of jobs and not enough people. Right. Um, so back to the Innovation Centre, I was at uh, with Accelerate Okanagan. Uh, as I mentioned, we are a government-funded organisation, and this was in... Um, you know, we we started looking at alternatives for um, leasing costs right. because, you know, a large percentage of our government funding went to pay a landlord for mm-hmm. our building space uh, versus going to help companies, right? And we thought, wow, we could... And we were doing pretty good. Um, but we thought, man, if we could actually focus more dollars onto businesses and companies and entrepreneurs, we could really pour gas um, on the community. And uh, gas in a good way. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh and so what we started to do was um, you know look around um, at wash it back up a little bit in, in 2013 uh, I invited a bunch of people together uh, 25 business you know community leaders mm-hmm. um, that had historically been at other events around what can we do to support new business and entrepreneurship in the Okanagan but nothing really ever came out of those meetings other than a lot of enthusiasm and a lot mm-hmm. of good people around the table but you know We'd, met, we'd meet again in six months, and you know, nothing had really happened, right? Because right. everybody's got stuff to do. Right. So, um, you know, no blame or, or anything on, on everybody that was there. But we thought, let's get a bunch of people together that historically either been in a meeting uh, about entrepreneurship innovation technology in the community, or has shown interest in it, or, you know, is active in it today. And um, so we invited, like, 25 people. Uh, we brought in a facilitator, Um we just brainstormed what good would look like and we met uh, three six-hour strategic planning meetings so Mm -hmm. um, one a month for the first kind of three months of 2013 and uh, out of that exercise uh, came three there was three themes that came out of that and one was uh, people one was place and one was marketing so uh, people was uh, we can get into these more if you want I'll I'll focus on the building but in the short story is people was you know no matter what community or startup community there is around the world everybody says they have a lack of talent right Mm -hmm. so um, how do we attract and retain talent in this region but also um, you know not only attracting new people to the Okanagan but what about Retaining the grads that are coming out of UBC Okanagan and Okanagan College, and right. are they even aware of the tech community and all the jobs that are you know high paying and available and all these things? And um, we're starting to do better at that uh, because a lot there's a eighty you percent know, of the grads were leaving Okanagan back then, and now eighty percent are staying. So I mean, that's huge. That is huge. Marketing was you know how do we tell the rest of the world that you know you can start and grow a successful tech company in Okanagan like Club Penguin or like you know these other companies that have, have had really great success um vineyard networks and mm-hmm. um there's there's several um and then place was um you know where do where do uh you know the initial concept was well if we're going to market the okanagan and we're going to attract people here where do we send them right when they get here and they're interested in entrepreneurship or starting a company or joining a company like where do where do you point them to mm-hmm. and so our initial concept was we would create this you know uh, map of nodes Around the Okanagan, where you could get access to space or access to programs or access to funding or access to people. And, you know, where do all those places exist? And what are all the funding agencies? And where are all the government agencies? And so when someone shows up, we, you know, we point them in the right direction. But the more we looked into, um, what successful startup communities were doing like Boulder, Colorado, which is like about well, the same size as Kelowna, mm-hmm. but just doing amazingly well, um, supporting entrepreneurs and, and startup technology companies was this theme of entrepreneurial density was really, really important. And what that is, our concept of entrepreneur density is that, you know, the closer, uh, together that entrepreneurs are throughout the day, um, the more likelihood there is for these kind of collaborative collisions, right? They run right. into each other, at the coffee shop, they share ideas, they help each other out and things like that. Versus, you know, having a business in West Kelowna and in Rutland and the chance of you ever running into each other is very remote. Right. And um, so we visited Boulder and uh, it was amazing kind of transformational experience for, for us. Uh, and, and a lot of where the give first uh, really hit home, yeah. Uh, for so you us would have met well. with a lot
0: of the uh, tech leaders, yeah. and entrepreneurs, yeah, and mentors, venture capitalists, totally. Kind of All city planners.
1: A little bit of the city, you know. An interesting side note to the Boulder story is that they're not, they're not government um, focused as much. Mm-hmm. Um, the city doesn't really support. Right. The ecosystem. I guess you get to a certain level of success, and people think, "Oh, you don't need our help." Kind right. of concept, maybe. I don't. I don't really know. But it's it's just truly amazing what they've done, kind of without government support. There, mm-hmm. um, the Brad Felds David Cohens of the World University of Colorado Boulder campus is, is amazing. Uh, there's lots of accelerators, um, mm-hmm. incubators there. Uh, tons of entrepreneurs. Probably more entrepreneurs per capita than anywhere in the U.S. People, a lot of people don't know that. Wow. Um, Anyway, it came back super motivated and, you know, this, this concept of entrepreneurial density, we said, well, what if we, you know, maybe we could find a building somewhere that, you know, somebody owned and didn't know what to do with, or mm-hmm. was more of a philanthropic kind of, um, give back to the community. Hey, come and use our space and build your hub for, for entrepreneurship out of my, you know, decrepit building that will fix <laughs> up or something. Right. Kind of Yale town right. back in the, back in the nineties. Yeah. And, uh, Anyway, uh, we were very fortunate enough to have this group of people that, you know, kind of envisioned a building, mm-hmm. um, whether it was somebody else's. And then and that evolved into what if we built our own building? Um, and that's how the Innovation Centre came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lane Merrifield was a huge supporter uh, of the concept, uh, both, you know, kind of visioning and, and financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a couple other local investors to support it. And uh, so this con- this kind of meeting in 2013, uh, to opening the doors in 2015 is uh, or sorry yeah I guess we opened up in April 2017, uh, so four yeah. years. Uh, we got some, our we got concept our concept f- to. Concept to hand the keys over in four years. And that included $10 million of government funding, um, you know, that went into that project. Yeah. As I mentioned before, our relationship with the different levels of government was was tremendous. Yeah. Um, and that really helped get their buy-in because they could see, we could tell the story of, hey, look what we're doing with this limited amount of funding in really expensive space. This is what we could do if we could get your help. And it'd be a one-time thing. We wouldn't have to continually, you know, fund it. Mm-hmm. And so they bought in and, um, you know, next thing you know, we were, we were digging a hole. It was, it was, it was pretty amazing. And, and talking to people in the government, they, they still say to this day, man, that was like the fastest thing ever that ever got through government. And we were like, it was painstakingly slow for us. (laughs) It was, it was horrible, but you know, we just had to persevere and get through it. And, you know, we were kind of pulling them through. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyways, it was, uh, it was really good learning experience again for us.
0: Who was the architect uh, for that building? Yeah, that was Micklejohn Architects, uh, okay. based out of Kelowna here. And I'm guessing it was pretty exciting for you to see this come together because you had a kind of a love of architecture mm-hmm. when you were younger. Yeah. And seeing this concept come to life must have been pretty thrilling. It
1: was Very thrilling. Yeah. And just to be able to sit in the meetings, uh, you know, the design meetings with the architects. and yeah. And uh watch their vision come to life, you know, listening to our story. The the super fascinating thing about this whole project was that um, we picked an architect that totally believed in our story and what we're about to do. (laughs) So, you know, we'd be telling them things about, oh, we want collisions. We want public space. We want this open concept. We want, you know, these, these, um, you know, entrepreneurs to be able to share stories and we don't want, you know, a typical office building and, you know, we want to invite the public in and enjoy the, you know, the ambiance and the energy that happens in, in buildings like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, they took all this stuff and then kind of created these, you know, these images and stuff for us, right, you know, basically, you know, right before our eyes, which was, you know, totally amazing. Yeah. Uh, very inspiring.
0: It's a beautiful building. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, so we were very fortunate enough to work uh, with Jim and uh, and and Stoke uh, at John. They were the lead uh, guys with us. And, um, you know, the other kind of interesting and exciting thing for me was the the government of, of bc ended up owning the second floor mm. in there and that was that was their contribution to the project they leased it back to a not-for-profit to operate but mm-hmm. you know their contribution was we'll we'll purchase the second floor and
0: so it's stratified it's stratified so. yeah
1: yeah so there's three strata units in there yeah uh, the city owns the theater uh, on okay. the main floor and the province owns the second floor and then the developer owns, owns the rest of the project. Wonderful. But I got to, uh, you know, um, experience uh, a little bit of that creative outlet as well as I got to design the second floor with an interior designer and an architect, um, Matt from uh, Architecture design Solutions here in cool. Kelowna, and just had a tremendous experience. It was, uh, again, you every time you walk in there, you just see something new. Yeah. Uh, and we just couldn't wait for the doors to, doors to get open uh, for other people to kind of... See what we had uh, been dreaming of and visioning of over the past four years.
0: So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's pretty cool your experience with um, briefly with architecture and then with real estate for yeah. a few years, in yeah. the, uh, early mid 2000s. Um, and then entrepreneurship and tech and everything came together mm-hmm. for you. So, the building's finished, mm-hmm. it's built. What are you working on now? Yeah, uh, great question. So, um
1: Again, back to our uh, visioning of of the Innovation Center and the people attraction um, and the marketing piece uh, and the place, which ended up being the building. The other thing that, um, you know, we didn't we don't didn't have and still don't have is any uh, kind of formalized access to capital here. Mm. So, um, you know. If you talk to an entrepreneur, they're going to say, "All I need is money," right? And uh, which is very rarely the case. <laughs> right. But, but uh, for a lot of businesses at certain stages, it's very necessary. Sure. Um, and we couldn't really point entrepreneurs to an organization to say, "Hey, when you get to a certain stage and you're ready to raise money, you need to go talk to these guys." Um, so uh, we started a, a small uh, seed fund called Atrium Ventures. And Atrium Ventures invests up to $200,000 in startup technology companies. Um, we have 13 local angel investors, so myself and 12 other people, as well as uh, Interior Savings Credit Union mm-hmm. and uh, CIDIT, uh which is a development trust uh, based up in Vernon. So uh, the, between the angel investors, uh, Interior Savings Credit Union and CIDIT, there's $3 million fund okay so uh we we've invested just over a million dollars to date uh and we have another you know close to two million dollars to invest
0: so that Uh, that that money is committed yeah uh but it's available to be invested into projects and yeah does all all of those partners get involved in every single project or is it kind of uh, the 12 angel investors can pick and choose
1: yeah. So, um, I manage the fund directly. So, okay. you know, a lot of the deal flow comes from people in, in my network and the other investors network. So I'll get introduced to people, you okay. know, from, other so people it's an fund. actual fund. It's an actual fund. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, Hey, you should go meet Jeff. He's, you know, managing Atrium Ventures and we do investing in this stage of company. And, um, Because of the work that we did back in the early days with Accelerate Okanagan, and now that's available across the province, Uh, um, you know, we have great networks in Victoria and Kamloops and the Kootenays and and throughout the lower mainland. So deal flow for us is pretty solid. Um, I get a lot of calls from people in Victoria to say, hey, you know, there's a company here you should come and see. So we do that. Uh, we've invested in uh, three companies in Victoria, mm-hmm. um, a couple in Vancouver, one in Langley, and then the rest in the Okanagan. Right. So, um, you know, our commitment uh, through CIDIT, which is an interior development trust, is that 30% of all our money in the fund will be invested locally. At least 30%. I think actually we're closer to 60
0: Locally, meaning Okanagan. Meaning Okanagan. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and so that's where I spend uh, most of my time right. these days. Right. Uh, the building being almost full, uh, another member of our team, uh, Kelsey Helm, manages, you know, all the leasing and build-out of the, of the building and um, other assets within the building as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're part of a company called Wheelhouse. Uh, so Wheelhouse has, I don't want to overcomplicate things, but Wheelhouse mm-hmm. has a management agreement to manage the atrium uh, fund. Okay. So that's how that works. So we all work for Wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. We, we manage a fund and we manage the building.
0: Does the building have shared space? Yeah. So if you're a tech startup, you could... Absolutely.
1: So there's a couple different areas uh, in the building. So Accelerate Okanagan has some shared desks, not mm-hmm. office space, but shared desks. Mm-hmm. And that will get you access to a desk on a monthly basis, meeting rooms, a boardroom, a kitchen, a lounge area, right. um, which are all like, it's very. it's a beautiful space. Mm -hmm. So um, I think all the desks are actually full right now. There might be a waiting list. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a couple of those desks that are sponsored by local uh, organizations. I think Uh, uh, Capri Insurance sponsors a desk. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Pusher Mitchell might sponsor a desk as well. Um, But that allows people to go and use a desk for free because it's sponsored by a local service provider. So that's a nice uh, in for them as well. And then on the fifth floor of the Innovation Center, we've got some uh, office space that's available uh, for for lease on a kind of monthly basis as well and these are offices for from two people probably up to about seven or eight people per office right. um really reasonable um rates again so you know we wanted to create that landing pad for people to feel welcome and comfortable when right. they're here so if people are thinking about hey cologne might be a great place to start my company um just show up Uh, in the innovation center we'll make sure that you have somewhere to sit um and get connected to the community and all the people that can help you great yeah
0: and uh if someone is listening to this from edmonton or vancouver what's a good website that they could go to 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 yeah so innovate Kelowna.
1: um check out innovate that's the website for the building Um, there's quite a bit of information there. Uh, AccelerateOkanagan.com, if you look at their uh, shared desk space uh, page, there's lots of information there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also check out the COEDC, which is Central Okanagan Economic Development Commission. Uh, They've got some information there. Um, Okanagan Collab. Was another great co-working space right yeah. downtown on the corner of L, uh, St. Paul and Doyle.
0: Yeah, just a block away. Just a block yeah. away. Talked
1: to Shane Austin there. Great guy. Yeah. We really just su- interviewed him. Did last yeah? week. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a real grassroots community builder here, and we're we're lucky to have him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, and there's more coming. So uh, you know, there's going to be more uh, you know offices that are they're tech related downtown, and um, there's all. Not necessarily a, a super shortage right now, but there's a shortage for companies that are of a certain size. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we're trying to solve that uh, Check out that job board. Yeah, yeah, check
0: out the job board. Absolutely. Um, One last question: Would you recommend if someone is uh, wants to be an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah,
0: uh, but they're not sure, and um, they've got some ideas bouncing around in their head. Would you recommend that they take a job with a tech company? Uh, for a couple of years so they can kind of get the feel of how a tech company operates and yeah you know kind of indirectly get some mentorship that way or do you recommend like just pursue your passion and (laughs) forget the corporate yeah world like um
1: i think the you know the former i think um you know diving into entrepreneurship is a really good way to find out quickly if it's, if it's meant for you, it's not for everybody. Right. Um, you know, you gotta be fairly risk averse and, and, uh, very committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, you know, be prepared to learn a lot and, uh, know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, take advice. Um, and sometimes the way to do that is to join a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the other way to know that is to is to start a company or at least go to an organization like Exarid Okanagan and talk to somebody about you know what's been rolling around in your head for a while and right. and they can probably you know if you sit down with someone um, from AO one of their EIRs or mentors and that have been through the startup process before um, you know there's a lot of learnings that go on and uh, depending on the personality type of the individual mm-hmm. um, you know it could be a great thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm a big believer in it. I think entrepreneurs are gonna change the world and continually are changing the world if you look at the Elon Musks of, mm-hmm. of the world you know and, and the difference that they're making uh, it's pretty incredible yeah. and there's a guy that's been down and out more times than yeah. most entrepreneurs and, and come back stronger than ever yeah. um, so but that's the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship that you kind of have to be prepared for right Not necessarily at his level but it happens to all startups there's there's this well-known curve um, that has something called the trough of sorrow in it and uh, the curve starts at a very high incline which is you know the excitement of starting a business and sharing your idea and getting people to buy in and um, you know maybe building a prototype and then at the top of the curve it's man this is pretty hard and getting someone to pay for my idea is actually way harder than I thought and really not sure it's i've got product market fit and i'm not sure i'm going to make payroll and you start to go down the other side of the curve into the into the trough mm-hmm. and you know 90 percent of companies that fail fail in that, in that, trough, in that yeah. trough and the people that are resilient and stubborn and smart um, and patient uh, will come out the other side um, and start to do the incline of early sales and early traction product market fit and grow their business but every company that i know i've worked with through accelerate and then just being a mentor to businesses in town they've all experienced some level of that oh sure so you just have to be open you know uh you have to be open to that right
0: yeah even huge companies they've got a story of that you know apple computer and all of them. everybody so <laughs> everybody
1: and the other side of it too is that you know there there's a lot of big companies that struggle with innovation because yes. they're so focused on the bottom line of what's currently generating revenue for them so there is opportunities for you know entrepreneurs to identify challenges in those big companies and develop a solution for specific yeah. uh, use cases right so Definitely. Um, and the way to do that is to get involved in the community and meet people and talk to people and just be present and you know show up Right. right. That's what I talk to anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur that I meet. They say, What should I do next? I say, You just got to show up at events, right? You just right. got to be present, get known in the community, right? And uh, meet people, right? And, uh, you know, just, yeah, just and commit. The,
0: uh, the calendar of events is on accelerateokanagan.com.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well. There's a there's, uh, calendar of events there. We have uh, meetup.com as well. Okay. Uh, Kelowna has a meetup.com page, which uh, has a ton of events on it. Um, Shane's page as well at Okanagan uh, Collab. Yeah. They've got a ton of events uh, going as well. So what we saw initially as, you know, kind of Accelerate Okanagan driving a lot of the community events and activities is now being spread throughout the community, which is exactly what you want to see. Right. Uh, You want the community to take it over and run with it. um, Because if they don't, then it probably doesn't have a very long life. Yeah, and uh, and I know Accelerate right now is going through a process of identifying the things that they're really going to focus on and turning other things over to the community. And if it survives, great; it was meant to survive. And you know, if it doesn't, then maybe the community wasn't ready for it yet. Right. So,
0: yeah. great. Well, Jeff, who, who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Yeah, that's uh,
1: that's a good question. So there's a, a really fascinating company. Uh, that's moving their headquarters to Kelowna. Uh, they're in the process of, uh, I think they're going to be moving into the Innovation Center next week. And wow. it's called uh, Pella Case. And they're a biodegradable uh, phone case product. They're How do you the spell P-E-L-A? that? P-E-L-A. Okay. Okay. Case. C-A-S-E. Uh, you can go to the Pella or PellaCase.com. They're led by a tremendous group of founders Uh, building a really exciting company. And and the cool part is that none of them are from Kelowna. Hmm. Um, But they're coming here. But they're all moving here, and they're starting their business here because Kelowna showed up on their radar, and they decided this was the place they wanted to start their business because of the startup community that was here. Amazing. And they're taking 5,000 square feet in the Innovation Center. They're at 12 or 13 employees. Now they're going to be at 40 um in the spring and so um you know brad peterson would be a great guy to uh, nominate for that um okay you could talk to one of his partners too but brad would be
0: awesome do you know if it's s-o-n or s-e-n s-e-n yeah great
1: and matt uh matt bertulli would be um the other guy that's uh basically he, he he beat everybody here he uh, when they decided they were gonna uh, start grow their company here and start the company here he p- sold his house in toronto and moved here and bought a house and matt matt, matt is he yeah. also
0: with uh case yeah
1: yeah yeah so you get and, and he's here most of the time so yeah brad right. might be a little bit harder to get but i would matt would be an awesome guy to talk to great yeah
0: okay well jeff thanks for your time today yeah it's thanks been a great all. uh conversation yeah thanks shit thank it's you right. yeah
2: Luke Menkus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate.